Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Today I'm talking to my friend Lena about her experiences in Russia, which is her home country. Uh, thank you for talking to me. You're very welcome. So you have a really interesting background and a really interesting sort of experience because you were born in Russia, is that right? Yes. But then you moved to Canada when you were young. Yes, I was born in uh, Nizhny Novgorod, which was back then, it was the Soviet Union, it was known as Gorky, okay. uh, named after a very communist writer. And then I moved to Canada when I was 10 years old. And in Canada, I lived in Winnipeg, then Vancouver, then Ottawa, and then back to Vancouver. Wow, so you moved around quite a lot. <laughs> quite a bit, yeah. Okay, and so do you remember what it was like to move to Canada at age 10 from Russia? It must have been very different. I definitely remember it. I think everybody remembers their childhood really vividly because it's the best time of their life, or hopefully it is. Uh, so definitely I remember my move to Canada. It was my very first flight. It was my very first time out of my home region uh, because in Russia you don't have that many opportunities to travel, not just outside the country, but within the country as well. It's a very big country, so you need a lot of um, patience and a lot of, I guess, resources in order to take the trains or the planes. So yeah, it was uh, the first time I've ever been on a plane, the first time I went outside the country, and it was I had no idea where I was going <laughs> because I didn't know Canada existed <laughs> at that point. And did you speak in English at that time? I thought I did, but I did not. Um, I studied English in uh, since grade one. It was a secondary language in uh, Russia, but um, when I reached grade three, uh, they divided us into two groups, our class. So the first group was people who showed some potential, and those were the people who were expected maybe in the future at some point to speak English somewhat decently. And then there was the second group, which was just hopeless, and you just do it for the school credit. I was part of the second group. So when I arrived in Canada, um, basically someone asked me my name, and I couldn't understand what they said so it was at that level yeah okay and so how did you improve your English even uh, at this stage uh, I was stuck in I, I came at the end of April and I, I went to Canadian school for the first time in May um, and I was only there a month before summer vacation and uh, I remember kids not not making fun of me but the only thing they could say that I would understand is do you like me or do you like me not and I would say yes or no for a month, that's all I said. And then in grade six, um, I had a special, uh, the vice principal of the school would come and um, study English with me with a color, with a picture book, while everybody else in my class had French class because it was, it's Canada, so French is the second language. And after one year of uh, studying with her, I started, they put me in a French class as well, so I had to know English and French and Everything. Okay, and you also told me a really interesting story about another way that you helped learn English by yourself uh, on the weekends. Yes, we had um, my my parents uh, got a VCR player uh, when we came, and we bought three cassettes. So it was Back to the Future, Home Alone, and Titanic. And Titanic was by far my favorite one. And um, I didn't understand what it was. I just saw the lovely pictures of the ship sinking. And um, I would watch it every single weekend, uh, every single Sunday in the morning while my parents were usually out for a walk. 
and um, I would listen to it every. I, I, I loved it so much. I cried. I was. I knew that he died at the end, and I was very sad. And uh, I remember the first phrase that I learned fully in English was "women and children first. It wasn't very useful, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, that came from my Titanic knowledge. And I still, I, I think I haven't watched it in a while, but I think I can still remember the script identically as it was, including all the sounds. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's great. And so how long did you stay in Canada? I was in Canada since uh, I w- from the age of 10. To the time, but to the time I finished university, so that was 2012. So I was by that point, <laughs> I'm not very good at math, but I was around 25, yeah. And then I moved. Uh, uh, my last degree in Canada was in journalism, and the really good job I was offered was in Moscow at an English language newspaper. So I went back to Moscow for two years, and I've been sort of commuting between the two countries ever since. Okay, and so when when people ask you where you're from. Uh, do you have a, a direct answer, or is it difficult to say? It's complicated, <laughs> yes, because um, I think my family, when they moved from Russia, it was a very difficult situation. Uh, it took a lot of effort. Nobody in my family, not just my parents, but nobody in my family has been outside of the Soviet bloc. And um, my parents definitely don't have a very good memory of Russia. Um, when we moved, it was the 90s. Um, they didn't have enough money they had to uh, borrow money from all their friends we had to sell everything we owned uh, we had to we didn't have an apartment so we just it was really nothing we could sell so it was really hard to collect the money and to make the move my parents salary was delayed my father's salary he's a university professor uh, it was delayed by six months and when he did get it it was very small uh, my mother worked at a factory also very small salary so when I told them I'm going back to Russia after giving, been, having been given all these opportunities in Canada, they really didn't understand me. They still don't understand me. Uh, they're very much against the idea. Um, but whenever I go back to Russia, I just feel very much at home because the rest of my family, um, my, my grandparents were there until recently, my aunts, my cousins. So it, it's very, it feels like home. But... Canada also feels like home because my family is there, my immediate family is there. So do you think that you have a kind of different perspective on Russia having lived in the West? Can you, can you look at it differently from, from other Russians? Or how does it feel to, to be back there again? Definitely. It feels, uh, I notice things that Russians might not notice. A, a prime example would be things like recycling that you just, um, in Canada, you pretty much take for granted that this is the case. And then in Russia, you walk around trying to find a recycling container and realize there is no recycling containers everywhere. Um, it stinks about freedom of speech, uh, about the way the, uh, the government should respond to the people's needs. Uh, in Russia, people don't question that because they've never lived outside a system that hasn't been a very sort of autocratic system. So, But in the same way, when I go to Russia, I, ha- I get a different perspective on Canada than I would if I lived my whole life in Canada. So I think it, uh, I take the best from every place that I live, and I try to go from there. No, that's a really good way to think about it. Um, and so being in, in journalism mm-hmm. in Russia, that must also be a challenge. Um, well, I haven't, I haven't written many stories about politics at all in Russia. I was, uh, when I was working in Moscow, I was writing for business, uh, for the business section, 
I was writing for the art section, so I didn't get um, the experience of uh, what it might be like to write about controversial political issues. But my friends definitely, um, who are foreign journalists in Moscow, they have experienced some pressure on them to write a specific kind of way and things that they shouldn't mention. And even the editors sort of encouraging them to stay away from certain topics because they don't want to create pro problems for the newspaper. So, yes. Another thing is that you're a vegetarian. Yes. Is that more difficult in Russia than it is in Canada? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I think... Well, my parents are still trying to put meat in all my food and hope that I don't discover it. Uh, but my grandma, I think that was the most difficult. Um, when I visited her in the last couple of years, um, she was starting to develop dementia. And for her, it was very hard to remember that I didn't eat meat. And it was a very hard concept for her to understand that I didn't eat meat. So every five minutes, she would say, oh, I have soup in the fridge. I say, what kind of soup is it? Oh, it's a chicken soup. I say, grandmother, I don't eat chicken. I don't eat, I, I told you already, I don't eat meat. I don't eat chicken. And she'll me, chicken, it's not meat, it's chicken. I'm like, no, 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 chicken is considered meat in my world. It's considered meat. And she's like, but it doesn't matter. It's already dead. I already cooked it. And then we close that conversation somehow. And five minutes later, the same thing happens. So whenever I would stay at my grandmother's, she would constantly keep asking me about my meat situation and um, I went to a psychologist in Moscow for work-related issues I wanted to figure out how to deal with the work-life balance and things like that because Moscow is a very stressful place to live and uh, I was asking her about how to manage my time better and things like that and the only recommendation I got from her for six months in a row was that my problems could all be solved if I started eating meat um, which I didn't, but <laughs> I went to the market and she did convince me to start eating fish, which I did for one winter. Uh, she thought, said that would be the solution to everything, and it wasn't. But <laughs> yeah, Russians don't really, they're not really on board with vegetarianism. They think it's something that weak people do, and it's just a silly whim. Okay, okay so Lena, thank you very much for talking to us. You're and, very welcome. Uh, and good luck. Thanks. Thanks for listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com.